0: <laughs> Did you know that monsters make the best servitors? No? Well, they do. And tonight I'm going to tell you all about my psychotronic experiments with monsters. So without further ado, let us begin. Well, before we talk about monsters, allow me to impress a picture upon your mind. An infernal tower spires in the background between two champions of chaos. The dark knights shake gauntlets. And firing their gazes from the holes in their shiny mask. An infernal bond is casted. Vrook, pleasure meeting you, Lord Sauron. Sauron, likewise. <laughs> uh, well, alrighty then. We're talking mail order monsters. And uh, yeah, I'm talking about the post office monsters. <laughs> All monsters great and small, from the tiny naked pixies to humanoid xenomorphs, and on up to colossal titans like Godzilla and Ken Kong, are the choices of champions. No, really. I spent about seven years practicing a variety of ritual arrangements, further augmented by psychotronic equipment, and during that time, while conjuring up the forms of mountain yetis and the oni from valley ravines and ghosts from remote and shunned Shinto shrines in my years living in Japan, and calling upon My memories of having lived in uh, an Arabia, I tell you that the only spirit servants of whom I have ever had to put down and therefore banish from my services were indeed those in the guise of the human countenance. There is a great deal of characteristics and indeed complex nature. Involved in the humanizing of spirit servitors, they become very intimate on levels where only given enough time. The familiarity of the magician to his servitor ends in contempt, or rather irritating obligations to a relationship. However, and in contrast, The monster servitor really only requires limited features, attributed to both its function and its primitive nature. At its core is the element most present in its essence. Then there is the form with which the creature has developed to fulfill a purpose. So, for instance, a monster created to bring in more customers or perhaps draw passive income to the magician would best serve the would-be sorcerer in the form of something like an octopus. Simple, effective, and, well, I just find those chaos tentacles irresistible. But maybe that's just me. In any case, a messenger might be envisioned as a winged imp, or even a simple bird or bat. And perhaps, if your messenger is of the element of air, envisioning this creature as a whirling tarnassilk might do nicely. Now, a defender might be limited to perhaps the form of a stone golem, cold and hard, perfect for defense. Or, if the element is somewhat watery in nature, that form might take on the likeness of a panther. Or, if the element is fiery, there's nothing like the grim hellhound to draw in the power of the infernal realms to your magical creature. The key to constructing effective monster servitors is rather twofold, with the first consideration being a limited, or a limitation, to purpose, and restraining its form to that purpose, and then also a monster that you are, well, rather fond of, and let's face it, we love monsters. What do you mean you don't love monsters? Of course you do. You love me, don't you? (laughs) Right, well, onward. All right, so there was the first of my favorite monsters I crafted, which I'd like to tell you all about it. He was an octopoid with a snake-like texture and the head of what might be a lizard or perhaps a frog. His prime function was to bring more students to my English school. Yes, at that time I was running an English school overseas, and so he did that. And while some folks might think a human, angelic, or fairy spirit might be more proper, I disagree. You see, this monster servitor outperformed the other humanoid creatures every single time. Spot on. (laughs) Plus, he was able to take on side projects after growing stronger and being around a bit longer. Well, that's not all. Some wizards might scoff at the idea or say that there's something missing in a monster companion, that these creatures cannot do more than a simple task, or that they cannot be fond of their master because they're simple thought forms, but this is not so. Now, I spent several years on this project of experiments, and I do say, to give you an example here, there was one time I was lying down to take a rest. After my magic work, I went downstairs to the resting room, and when an image of my monster spirit came into my mind's eye, And it sort of flickered in and out, like a television transmission. And then the spirit showed me a red field on the back of my eyelids, this sort of red field of light. And within that red light, within that field, was a serpent-like shadow wriggling around and coming closer to my proximity. And I knew which direction it was coming from. I could feel that, too. My spirit was able to make me aware of that also. So I opened my eyes, turned on my resting cot, and I looked down at the floor. What I saw was a near-foot-long, thickly-armored centipede making its way to the head of my bed. Now, for those of you who don't know, In Japan, some of these centipedes can get dangerously huge, like almost a foot long. So I was quick to jump up and hit it with the nearest object to pin it down. I think it was a water jug at the time. I needed something to hold it down. These centipedes in Japan are very hard to kill, um, primarily because of their armor. They're very fast. And they don't back down. Uh, They will attack. And so they need to be pinned down and immobilized or often picked up with a prong, such as like a a barbecue pincher, and then placed into a sink uh, to pour boiling water on them, or thrown into a fire. But, I mean, if you happen to be outside, a shovel, if you happen to be outside, can help. And you can sort of hack and saw it apart, but I digress. The point of that little story was to point out where even a monster servitor... No, no, I mean, especially a monster servitor will protect his or her master magician. Now, I tried that. uh, Various forms. uh, Humanly, monster, and later robots. Uh, But for those seven years, humanoids and monster-type creatures, for seven years. And uh, I think the monster is the ultimate image. Now, in similar circumstances, I was spared a poisonous death by a mamushi snake when my air elemental monster summoned a swarm of dragonflies to intervene. I was literally held back in midstride midstep before landing my right foot down on this venomous snake and the dragonflies prevented the awful experience from happening. The snake then slithered away without any further incident. Later I learned that the word dragonfly was related to an older name for Japan, and so the entire experience was rather um, synchronistic, I guess I might say that. You know, there's this old superstition, that monstrous imaginings of these types of servitors will somehow put us magicians in league with the devil, while that in and of itself is pure rubbish, I would venture to protest from another angle as well. That perspective being, whenever I had troubles with entities, it was most often when my mother or friend would place an image of Christ in my possession. Of course, she did so with good intentions, my friends as well, albeit, but this image would always bring about things I didn't need, such as people who wanted my money, and then more of my money with each encounter, and telling me how to live my life, and then there were the protests of the various spirits about my presence, whom did not want that association. I believe it's because it's a control mechanism. And let us face the facts. This might be a little off topic, but most images of Christ that are in circulation are, well, they're a depiction of some white male with long hair and beard wearing a red robe. And honestly, we all know Christ wasn't a Caucasian man. He wasn't a white guy. So it is what it is. I mean, I'm willing to believe Jesus may very well have been black. And why not? And it wouldn't really matter to me anyway because I'm not a member of the Christian faith. Very different. But whatever we want to believe in is fine with me so long as nobody's forcing down my throat that I need to bend on a knee to a fictitious character. And no, I am not picking on people for their beliefs. I am simply stating that the entire religion complex in this world is, and this is just what I believe and not what you have to believe, but that I believe it is all made up and make-believe. As real as the Easter Bunny. And sure, it's fair enough to point out that with psionics, the Easter Bunny can indeed be made real or made to exist and cause influence in the world. Hell, we've covered the power of imagination applied to psionics many times over on my podcast, though. That's just my opinion, and I'm not telling you what to believe. But don't try to change my mind in kind. So monsters are wonderful, yes? What gets even better with psionic constructs and tunable anthropomorphic instruments? I'm actually getting ready to ship out the book, Psionic Robot, this week. Thank you, people, for ordering that book. And so if you want to know about tuning powerful robot radionics, you'll need to buy this book, Psionic Robot, An Artificer's Guide to Anthropomorphic Constructs, and I'll ship it out to you this week if you order soon. So what is a psionic robot? Well, it's kind of like a mail-order monster. (laughs) Sorry, I just... I love that title of this old video game on the Commodore 64 computer back from the 1980s. Uh, Those of you my age or older, you're probably familiar with at least some of the old titles or, or, well, maybe you're not. But anyway, it was a game about selecting certain kinds of monsters and then adding various attributes to these creatures and then further augmenting or uh, upgrading them with a limited supply of funds in the game. And then the monster would be mailed out to the operator, of course, in the game, not in real life, if only, right? And the monsters would spar an arena, a spar in an arena, or a battlefield setting, and so on and so forth. So, psionic robots are kind of like those mail-order monsters, only that these psionic robots are partially imaginary creatures, but mostly physical body, or physical material, I should say, with certain magic components for storing energy, and then a control panel that's set into place of the body of the robot's Hulk. Thus, these are really very powerful, tunable psionic servitors, which can perform more dynamic and complex operations than a standard elemental, while at the same time, here's a good part, remaining simple enough in their nature so as not to turn against the sorcerer. And that latter part there is really the important area in magic. We don't want to call up anything that we can't put down, as the old saying goes, of course, of course. So, if you are interested in Sonic Robots, which, why wouldn't you be, and you love monsters, shame on you if you don't, give the book Sonic Robot a good reading through, and then scan the templates uh, that are in the book and print out your control panel settings and calibrations to begin building your robots at home it's that easy plus I walk you through the charging and test flight in this book in a few sections that are dedicated to concentration and of course magic fun so if you love monsters and you love psionics uh, there's some really that's one of the best books right there Cynic robot if you're looking for an audiobook, there's fantastic facilitators, dynamic defenders, and magical messengers. All of these have to do with monster servitors and wonderful, wonderful psionic breakthroughs. So I'll leave you with your thoughts this evening. And so, therefore, this concludes our merry little gathering in the hallowed hours of the dark. And. Until next time that we meet up, as always, always, keep the magic high. This is our Dr. Von Brolach, (laughs) signing out.